Welcome to the What I Meant to Say podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, founder of Be Better Media and a mom of four, passionate about human connection. Some of these stories contain sensitive content about real life events, and all of the information in this podcast and from anywhere on the Be Better Media website is for informational purposes only. If you find that you need help, which we all do from time to time, please reach out to a licensed professional for help. Pre Lima is not only a respected and decorated athlete in the beach volleyball world, she's lending her incredible expertise of the game of volleyball and the game of life to the athletes she trains at Optimum Beach Volleyball Club in Tampa and St. Petersburg, Florida. Her story will inspire you to take agency over your own life and goals, whether on or off the court. I'm so excited to be joined today by Pre Lima. We've been trying to schedule this what I meant to say conversation for a while and um, we made it happen. So Pre, thanks so much for joining me today. I love athlete coach conversations and I'm excited to dig into this with you. Aww, thanks for having me and waiting for this to happen. No problem. No problem. Um, I wanted to start, I was trying to go back to my first time watching you play. Um, and I have to be honest, it was when you were playing with Fallon and in, um, in, uh, in Hermosa Beach. I'd never been, you know, I hadn't seen you back in, in, in the day. And I know you have a long beach volleyball career, but I just enjoyed watching you and Fallon so much. Cause you guys had such a cool, you could tell there was a bond and like a coaching relationship there already. And it was just, it was so fun to watch that like generational volleyball knowledge and just seeing the joy that you guys had playing together. So that was my first experience. And then I started following you and I was like, wow, there's a lot of story here. So you know, take me back a little um, before I discovered you playing with Fallon and tell me about life in Brazil and how you got started in volleyball. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's a long time ago. Now I can see that. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started, um, it's, I used to be a dancer. So I did all types of dances in Brazil and my my specialty was flamenco dance from Spain. So you have like the castanholas, you have all these types of things that you get to do. Uh, which is, I guess it helped me a lot with coordination. Um, but I started volleyball when I was 15, which is very late for Brazilians uh, in the club and uh, got into this club and they were, most of my teammates were in the Brazilian national 15s team. So I was just like getting hammered every day. Like it was so hard. Uh, but I had the, the 15s national coach and the 17s national coach, all the 17s and 15s national players. Um, so I guess like, as they say in Brazil, like if you wanna learn how to be a lion, you have to hang out with the lions, you know? And then I was all of a sudden, like I just got put with the lions. I didn't even know it was like that. And, you know, played indoor uh, all my junior year, but like by the second year of club, I started dabbing into beach. Cause it's just normal. You go to the beach, you see people playing, but then I, some teammates are like, hey, you wanna come train beach and stuff like that. So I started training beach that, um, while in high school, we would go to co- we would go to school, then we would go to uh, beach uh, practice, and then straight into indoor practice. Um, did that until I was nineteen when I came to college, and in the because it was so long ago, they didn't have collegiate volleyball, so I only played indoor. Uh, but I got to go to a local facility in Lafayette, Louisiana, Volley Beach, and I got to like play six hours of beach volleyball every time I could, and I was there all day long, all night long. So did you, would you say you loved it from the beginning, even when you were getting 
getting hammered at 15. Yes. Yes. Because I love to dance, dance. And whoever knows how I started in the AVP, I always joke that my dancing skills became famous than my volleyball skills before my volleyball skills. So I love to dance. Dance has always been a big part of me. I love music. But once I started training volleyball, I was like, I love this. I love this. So it, I never looked back. Yeah, I, I'm such a big believer in that. I mean, dance and, and like the body control that you get. I mean, how translatable that is to sports. I mean, you really can see it across a lot of high level athletes. I mean, body control is so much of those those small percentages that you get the mm -hmm. higher you climb, you know, in yeah. any sport. And so that makes it makes so much sense to me. That's really cool. Um, and it, it also one Louisiana, like I just have such a tie to that, that beach volleyball community down there. I've been down to no, uh, New Orleans, like the, the eight, two AVPs in a row. That's just these last two years. And I told Sean Ledig that I was doing this with you today. And he was like, go, go get her. He's such a fan of yours. So awesome. there's a very cool. And now with Taryn and Kristen coming up and mm -hmm. Evan Corey, there's some really great volleyball coming out of Louisiana that people never really knew about I know I, I and I love to see it because when LSU started beach program I called Fran who was the was the indoor coach and she was the volleyball operations I think lady too so I was like Fran whatever you need let me know I know I want to help Louisiana on the map and I mean obviously they got it right with Russ I mean we can't complain he's oh, amazing man. he's amazing but to see the talent like you know like Kristen coming in and then like Evan, you know, Evan just being a local boy, that's even harder, you know? So it's really cool to see, you know, the, the next generation coming in, you know, and taking it. Cause I feel like Louisiana is my first home away from home. So I always say Cajun is my middle name. So I'm always going to be Louisiana at heart. So I, I've always been cheering them on from afar and, and now a little closer that I get to coach. That, yeah, absolutely. You guys are kind of, you, you're, there's a lot of shared, shared volleyball experience between Florida and Louisiana there that um, I can see that. And I know um, we've worked here at Be Better. We've worked with Tony Rodriguez and, um, and Kaylee York too. And just amazing leaders in these young, young athletes. It's so cool to see when you really recognize like what they have, what they've gained from volleyball and they bring it off the court and Kaylee's produced a course for us called go with the flow. That's going to help female athletes optimize their hormone cycles and with nutrition and understanding like how to, how they can perform better and, you know, eliminate or, or reduce injury. It's, mm -hmm. it's, there's so many good things coming beyond volleyball from these kids that they learn through their sport. Sure. I, I know you see that in the coaching that you do. Yes, um, for sure. So and I'm super proud of Kaylee because I was her juniors coach before she went to LSU oh so, really yeah i've been following her she knows that obviously we talk often but i love going watch her play and i heckle her and she's always smiling because yeah she's yeah. an awesome kid i mean she's, and she's a not a kid. kid she's a young woman now but it's like mm -hmm. what she is a really she's she's a, a leader and such a kind giving heart too i just mm -hmm. I, I love those girls so and then i got to take tony to her first um men's volleyball game at, at Long Beach State. She drove me after I had my ankle surgery. We went down there and she goes, I've never been to a men's volleyball match before because down there, the men's game, yeah. the indoor game is, isn't, isn't yeah, as big. So it's fun to get all this exposure and, you know, new things and see, you know, the different, different 
ways the game is played and how it's it's just so much fun so mm -hmm. it's been fun to get to know those girls from down there because yeah you know you start to feel like california feels it feels like this one little community and then when you branch out it's just more it's amazing so cool to see. yeah yeah definitely so tell me what you've got going i know you're coaching lots of juniors and i know you coach professionals but tell me about optimum beach and what you guys got going down there Oh, what we don't have going over here. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great. Um, every year or every two years, you kind of like shift to write your business and you see like what you can do better. And uh, luckily, uh, uh, a longtime friend of mine, because I coached her daughter for so many years. And now it's been like 14 years that we've been a friend's family. We became friend's family. She, she goes pre you can do better. Like, I want to help you. You have so much to offer. So she now has become like my admin lady and marketing specialist. And we have grown so much in this fall with her. Like I can't even explain how much better we're doing because of her. Uh, we have a lot more events. We have done small, I call intimate showcase clinics because I feel like it's important sometimes for coaches, if they have especially a specific prospect to be able to spend more time with them instead of having like 40 kids and all that we have no more than 30 kids but which means I, I have no more than three coaches possibly four and you get six to eight players per court and they work with them for 25 minutes so they really get that intimate time with the coaches so we do a full round of coaching 25 minutes with um drills with those coaches and then once they go through we have a q a and then the coaches sit and just scout them i mean recruit them uh, playing a queen of the beach. So that has been a really cool event that I've done and everybody loved it. The coaches loved the format. The kids felt seen. They felt like they get really like, I know that coach now, you know, I really like that coach because like working through an entire drill of 25 minutes, you get to really have a feeling for the coach's style. Uh, we had like advanced skills, skill clinics that we have never done, you know, for all, um, all levels, but it's like, it was so cool to see all the kids that came and got to know who we are. Like we weren't trying to tell people who we are. We just like come to our events and they like the parents, like, I love how you, you explain, you guys explain volleyball. I love your goal, your, you know, your mission statement. And then we're able to launch these plans. Now we have annual pass, like annual memberships for people who don't, especially if they don't live nearby, they want to be part of all this. We have a big showcase coming up this, this weekend is driving me. You know, like it's taking all my brain, like I'm like answering 30 emails a day, just, you know, answers and um, questions and everything. But like, it's super cool to see that we got women's open, men's open. We got women's pro, like that group of girls that are knocking on the qualifying rounds. I have Kim Hildreth as my major uh, pro, pro, private pro player. And I have um, looking into some other players to come down to Florida and train with me for the pro season. So I'm very excited about that. We're doing... Um, the goal is to just make people better through volleyball. So that's what we've been able to do and get kids recruited. We've been able to find a home for every type of player we've ever had. And that's another pride that we have because I feel, I always tell them like, we have a dream and sometimes it doesn't match. And unfortunately, I feel like I have to be real with these kids. And I think that's why these parents really appreciate our relationship because I'm not trying to tell them lies and break their hearts. I really want to be like, well, a kid wanted a top eight or something. I really think you're a top 20 kid. Continue to email these coaches, but you need to put a lot more eggs in these baskets. And at the end, you just see the, the best fit comes out, you know, and they're able to choose to go 
where they, I feel like they, they were meant to go. That is such awesome coaching advice and for parents out there too, to know that like, I, people ask me that all the time, like how, you know, what would you say is a great, you know, how do you, how do you find those fits? And I think I love hearing that because, you know, you do have to be realistic, but also just finding that coach that fits, not just the idea of a program that you have, but that, what does that community feel like? What does that team culture feel like? Yeah. And finding, you know, being really realistic about where, where you are and where you can go and, as an athlete, that's, I feel like that's one of the biggest things we learn in sports. I mean, you're always going to, you, whatever age you run up against that realization, like there's somebody that's better than me, right? What are you going to do with it? Like, how Mm -hmm. are you going to let that motivate you to be your best self, your bet, the best athlete you can be instead of comparing. And I think we get so much more joy out of sports and life when we, you know, tackle it that way. So, and who doesn't love an underdog, you know, success story, you know, like, you know, I felt like an underdog my entire career on the ADP because I had to compete against the Long Beach and Stanford's and, you know, UCLA's and all that. And nobody ever heard of like Louisiana Lafayette, you yeah. know, you know, and, and for, for a bit, I was able to like make into semis and had a finer and all that. And it was really cool. Like I've always put my Raging Cajun shirt on. So people would see like, and, and wonder, I want them to wonder what is a Raging Cajun? You know, I was like, well, there you go. You know, we we do hard work and we'll get somewhere. And that's how I try to teach my girls. Like, no matter where you go, the matchup is about preparation, is about heart, is about grit. It's not about titles, you know. And then that's when you have an underdog, you know, beating a big dog sometimes because of that. Because they take yeah. it more seriously than big dogs when they get complacent. So it's... Yep. Having that chip on your shoulder can be a real advantage, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that chip comes from knowing that you did the right thing, knowing that, you know, you did the heart, that it has to be the right chip. You can't just put a whatever chip and just think that you, you know, oh yeah, I I got this. It's like, well, that's to me, that's fake confidence. You need to have like confidence in your work, what you've done, how you prepared. And then, you know, exactly like I, we talk about not talking about confidence because confidence, I'll tell you a little story. Confidence is not loyal to you and only comes when it wants to come. So I call confidence, not your friend. She's not loyal to you. She never shows up when you need her. So why would you be friends and always search for confidence? But you can always choose to be certain, courageous, and a little ballsy, like just balls out, right? Your certainty comes from what you've done in training, your past experiences and your wins, no matter if it was low level win or high level win. So you can always have certainty because you have done it before. And that you can bring yourself back to a, a past scenario of practice or a game, and that will give you confidence, but a certainty that I can and I've done it, right? And then I need to be courageous to do it versus fearful. And that's another, like, a little controllable. You have to train your mind to be, you know, courageous and have some courage. And then sometimes it's just like those days that you don't know what to worry. It's like, well, crap, let's go for it. And it just ballsy you know yep. just go for it so I feel like that works more it puts gives them more control of, about their confidence so they don't search for confidence as much yeah I really like that I've never heard that distinction before and I've had a lot of coaching conversations that's a really cool one I like that the the certainty and I do believe I'm I'm the older I've gotten I've become such a 
obviously a huge believer in that preparation, right? I mean, the ability to slow down and really focus and concentrate on the small things and that the little, the little things that we do that add up to big things. Mm-hmm. Right. And I hear that coming through in that message, which um, sure. at what point do you think you learned that in your career? I mean, I am sure it was an evolution, but like as a player going to a coach, how did that, how did that message transform through your career? It's funny. I just had this conversation with uh, a team that I'm uh, talking to. And I said, I, t- I told them another, I'm, I love, like, I always say story time. You know, there's always little stories. And I said, um, I had a partner on the EVP. We played about five years together and we started back in the day. It was 32 team main draw, 24 were in. So somebody said, Hey, if you play together, you're going to be in the main draw. So we started 24th in the nation. And then after four years, we were ninth in the nation. Top eight had nine Olympians. That's how hard the field was. You can't break into top eight. So we finished ninth in the nation. We said, last work our butt off. I quit uh, coaching club. I, I quit doing, uh, I was just doing privates. I quit coaching high school because I wanted to prepare more. And I worked so hard and we finished the year after 12th in the nation. Oh. And we're like, we're losing these matches and we're like, why? You know? And then the, the end of the year, a veteran picked me up and said, boy, you need to come and train with me. You need to do this. So that's when I finally left Louisiana and I went to California because she was a top five player. So what year, like, hey. what year was, what year was this? Do you know? Do you remember? 2009 when 2009. I got picked up. Okay. So yeah. I got picked up. I went, played, um, trained with Tachi. She was coming back from a shoulder, huge shoulder surgery. First two tournaments, she could only shoot. Then she started chopping. Then throughout the season, she in four and a half months, we finished the season third in the nation. Wow. Why? Exactly. See, I worked just as hard, but I worked so much smarter than mm-hmm. harder. And yes. that's where the confidence, I didn't think about that, obviously. You know how you just reminisce and start, you start explaining what it was because it makes sense. So we worked so hard, but so smart. Everything was so thoughtful. And obviously having a mentor on and off the court, we lived together and all that, like it helped so much. Right. And, and I don't know how, or why I, I can see that how there are a lot of players that cannot handle the constant feedback is hard. And as, as a player with some of my partners too, cause I thought like it worked for me. So I don't know why I was able to handle all that. And I was a sponge and, but I do know that I did a lot of mindset, like reading and journaling and all that before it was even big. I was mm-hmm. looking for things that will, you know, help me just be a better athlete. Um, but that's that's how I think I found more confidence, right? Yeah, Besides being Brazilian, we're already fiery. So yeah. it was about like <laughs> direct the fire the right way at this practice this way, at this game this way, you know, like, so I think that's how it happened for me. Yeah, I try to teach, you know, everybody, you know, these possible angles and scenarios, how you can apply these things. Well, it's really cool to hear you say that because you've been both in the mentee position and the mentor. And like I was saying, when I watched it with Fallon, I was like, wow, that's just a really cool mentor. I'm watching this happen. I was like, I, I, I just, I loved that vibe, but clearly you had that on the flip side with, with your 2009 story. So Mm -hmm. it's fun to see how we learn and then get to, 
you know, level up and flip the script and, and, you know, pass on, like, I see that as just another angle of generational learning, which is just my, my favorite thing in the whole world. And that's why I love yeah. coaching relationships because, um, and mentoring relationships, because we get a chance outside of our families to also be those, have those generational stories that, you know, bring athletes along or whatever mm-hmm. our passion is. And, um, so I see that in that story. It's really, really cool. Um, I'm curious about working harder and smarter and what you think about energy efficiency and energy management, because that's something, another thing I've been watching with really top level athletes, something I've zeroed in on just in my observation is like, wow, they, they know how to be fiery, but they also know how to conserve energy. Right. And maybe that's personality driven and it's different for everyone. But what are what are your thoughts on energy efficiency as an athlete? Well, um, I think nowadays there's a little gray area of when they think they're saving energy and they don't go for what certain balls. Like I'm just saving my energy for the next round. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. Every time that team gets one point is one more point you need to play to win. So to me, energy like saving energy or maintaining my energy is I'm going to go out there, get it done get out. Yeah. So if I win 21, 10 and I run every ball down is a lot better, you know, staying on the court for five to 10 more minutes because you let three to five balls go. So to me, that's not smart. Now, when I was like 39, you know, like I can manage a little better certain balls, but there's so much about the mental part of the game that the management sometimes doesn't matter. You just need to make a run, touch a ball and make a statement. And, mm-hmm. and then the, the hitter might have to push a little more. I might have to change directions and then I have a chance or it goes out. So it's, it's a, it's a dangerous game to play, Yeah. but the way you can, you can always manage by slowing it down. You slow okay. it down. So you have more time to recover between plays, but not going for balls for me you're giving too many chances. The game is so close nowadays because everybody's level is so close. Right. You, get, you got two top, two teams on top. Or on the women's, everybody, everybody won. You know, Kristen and um, Taryn won three, but everybody else is like, doo, 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 doo. you never know who's gonna win. So you manage one point, and then they're like, okay, we're good, and you might have just created a monster, and now they believe, and then now it's gonna be harder to beat them, or I might lose to them. So I don't think right now is a good time for, especially on the women's side, to manage their energy. I think the the management comes from practicing well enough so you're efficient on your steps. You're efficient on your location all the time. So you're not rushing the game. You're efficient on your set. So your movements are better. They're more into yeah. 100%. Not, okay. not going for a ball. You know, totally see the distinction. And I agree with you. I think that's what I've been what when I'm watching that really top level, it really is the efficiency of movement and, you know, where, where less is more, but you're mm-hmm. still, you're going all out, but your, 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 your technical skills are that efficient. Yes. I but, just saw a rally, um, that Sarah Hughes ran a high line. She took two st- steps and she was sliding on one knee down and she dug. Then it was a rally. Then somebody 
Then she went on a ball with Kelly Clays and they were both on it and Kelly put it to the net and she went one, two steps. She was sliding one knee. I was like, she's not diving anymore because her steps are so good. And one knee down is the best thing that you can do to get under the ball and get a good lift. So like that right there is she's hella, hella good shape. She's moving so efficient versus people would be running, diving, get up, running, diving, get up, you know, because they, either not in position, not as strong, or they don't have efficient footwork. Yeah. So that's what we try to, um, I try to teach my kids. Like from here, you know, you need three steps. From here, you know, you need two and a half steps and you, you'll you be able to get there. And you can go more than that. You have to push yourself to make it go. No matter how tall or short you are, we try to make them efficient, you know, and um, obviously they don't see it the um, the benefits right now but then you know with time they will so I'm, I don't care if they think I'm boring yeah <laughs> I, well that and that is a beautiful thing it, it, I think the people who are meant to stick with the game right they they will stick with you through that and then all of a sudden when it starts to flow and you see the pieces come together it's just it's magical and it's crazy how young and you're I'm sure you're seeing this but I cannot believe the skill level mm-hmm. as the girls you know, are younger and younger and with the NCAA game, but I, I, you, I've watched 12 year old matches and I'm like, and granted their bodies are, you know, young and spry and quick, but the skill level is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hope having a, having a son that plays too, I, I hope the guys, you know, I see the women getting the coaching that that they're getting and the guys don't have it because without the NCAA pipeline, it's just not, it's not the same, yeah. but well, there's now five programs. There are okay. five programs with beach. Yes. Okay. And they, AVCA had its first, uh, national championship. Right. And they linked that up with a, the girls tournament, mm-hmm. the Paris tournament in Huntsville. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So yes, yes, yes. they, they having it now, they slowly growing, but most of those kids are playing indoor and beach for those programs, but it's out there and it's going to continue to grow because ABCA already you know, snatched it. So it is more official. Yeah. I just bring on the boys. I'm also a national team. I'm an NTDP scout for boys. So awesome. I want to see them. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I do, I used to take Luke to tournaments and, and clinics with Lauren and he'd be the only boy in there (laughs) and he didn't care because he just loved playing. So yeah, yeah, so much fun. So on the flip side of that, physical efficiency that we were just talking about what do you work with your athletes um and i'm sure it depends on ages but what do you work with them as far as as mental like mental efficiency and playing from strengths versus working on their weaknesses how do you how do you work through some of those things with them Mm -hmm. so i love the mental part of the game like we talked about the confidence and all that um Throughout practices, every drill, there's always a lesson, a mental lesson. I tell either focus or emotional, right? Like focus, like, are you really here trying to do, are you controlling your body or are your emotions, you know, making you not be able to control your body? So the number one thing, like we joke, because I say your feelings don't matter. (laughs) You know, they know, I know my feelings don't matter, but I'm feeling (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know, being able to make that connection to from what my nervous system is feeling to how my body is performing mm-hmm. I know that is something that was never 
communicated to me as a young athlete. And until I grew up and started raising my own kids and learning about the nervous system, and I wasn't a bio, I'm a writer. I didn't know the first thing about human biology until I started applying it to my kids. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, that is one of the things I wish someone would have told me. Cause then I started feeling it as an adult athlete. And I was like, wow, when my, my system feels like this, I perform like this, but mm-hmm. you know, for kids to be learning that, I think that's one of the greatest things yeah. you can teach a young athlete. Yeah. And then we say, um, are your feelings fueling you or are they failing you? And if they fail you, you need to change. Like it's not serving you. And that's when I, that's when I say, well, your feelings don't matter because they're not helping you right now. And they, they get it. So it's really cool to see that like, or I have game, like you have gamers and I have players that are not good. They don't have good focus of practice. They just, but they really, they want to play. They want to compete. Right. But then it, so I don't teach, I try to get as much as possible out of focus by talking about how she would use it in a game or he, cause I have, you know, we coach both. Um, and then in the game, I try to show the value of that last drill we had that if we were a little bit more focused, we would have been doing a little bit better now in the game, you know? So there's knowing what type of player they are also helps a lot. And that's why I like to speak as many languages as I can, but at the end it's just saying what I mean. (laughs) Um, I I love that challenge as a coach. Yeah. How do you think you build um, that relationship with your players that, you know, you can say something that of course we know we know that sports like is about, we're going to hear tough things. We need to be able to hear tough things and take them as athletes and, and use them to make us better. But how do you create that relationship with a player so that you can deliver that, Hey, your feelings don't matter and not have them go, Oh, you don't care about, you know what I mean? Cause there's mm-hmm. that, there's that mantra out there today where I do feel like sports and even parents with their own athletes aren't quite as tough as what we used to take mm-hmm. and people and right now your feelings matter men- for everything yeah like, and there's like your feelings matter they do yeah. matter but are you well number one thing is like like and when we do it we talk about life it's like terrible things happen to good people and there are so many stories of people overcoming struggle and overcoming their situations whatever happened because they refuse to be victims you know, so I try to make one, I try to make my kids see how fortunate they are with the life they have Two, that. Yes. When you're feeling feelings that are overwhelming or whatever, I, I sympathize with you, but I'm here to give you solutions and, and we can move forward because I'm here to teach you how to play volleyball. And then I always go when you're in college and you don't have your parents and you only have a phone call away from them or me, but like you have to show up, what are you going to do? You have resources. But the way I think I get in the beginning, it's it's more like it's a cultural thing with us, with me, right? So like I have, I do have a, a about 10 new players in my higher level group. And I have about eight or 10, eight like players have been with me almost two years and a, a couple of few that have been with me like six or seven months. So what happens is these kids are going to see, it's culture. They're going to see how they react to me, Right. And then I'm, I always say, hey, you guys are getting to know me and slowly I'm going to I'm going to become more pre with joke, you know, like pre things or whatever. But here's one thing that you're going to see from me. I'm always going to be consistent. I'm not going to flip 
flip out on you all of a sudden because of a drill. We don't run because when you suck or somebody sucks, like to me, it's like, if we don't get better technically, tactically, physically, or mentally, then we need to sit down. Mm-hmm. And if you continue to have, for me, after that is just being a, a bad attitude type of person. So maybe you don't fit here. You know, I'm just very honest. And I was like, and I'm here for you and you will see my passion to get you better. I'm going to want more than you every day. And that's why you guys need to get on my level, you know, and just being this, like my message is steady and I'm consistent. I'm always with them and I laugh with them and I'm silly with them, but I always let them know, Hey, now we're here to work. Like got general praise here. Let's get to it. And they know like, there's a warning, you know, now is serious time. Now let's play. I joke with them. I laugh at I mean, you know, they laugh at me. I was like, why are you laughing at me? That's not funny. You know, like, so it's a, I guess it becomes organic. Like I want them to know who I am too. I want to say, guys, I'm not feeling good. I want them to know when I don't feel good. You know, yeah. it's not, I want to be vulnerable with them, even though they don't see it. They don't see it. They just see hard, you know, like leader pre, um, but they, the way I know that works is like I have multiple players that are in college. They still call me when they have hard days. They, you know, they come back and train with me every time. Um, I have a pretty good retention of my high level juniors coming back during um, fall whip. I'm starting next week, a two weeks collegiate training, winter training camp. Cause I have that, you know, that I have that many that come now. Yeah, um, you, you built that bond. So yeah, I try, I try. Some of them become closer. Um, some of them become like family. I get to see them often. Um, some, some of their moms become my best friends, you know, like, so we have, it's like life. No, I tell them all the time, like as teammates, like I call training mates for autumn or your teammates is like a family. You're stuck together through blood or through choice. Right. But it doesn't mean that you're best friends with all your cousins. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, but you get along and you do your professional is a professional family relationship. And yeah. I understand that too. And I try to, so some kids, I always tell them, I'll be in your life for as long as you allow me. Cause I'm always here. I will always be here. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this chat as much as I am. For more great content, courses, and lifestyle, go to bebettermedia.tv. Yeah. And that's such a cool thing as a strong-minded athlete and coach um, that has gotten to this point in her career to be able to be like, I am the steady. And you know that young athletes go through so many stages of growth and ups and downs and challenges and high points and like to be that constant. I think that's one of the things in, you know, we obviously we have a mental health. We There's a lot of challenge and we talk about mental health a lot in, in America and just in, and in the athletic community. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hear that message of vulnerability and, and, you know, letting your actions match your words and those things. I think those are some of the biggest things that can help this mental health, the challenges that, that are human, mm-hmm. you know, that, that these athletes go through. And, um, I'm curious what you think, what are some of the messages that you try to get across, you know, when it comes to mental health with the, the, the athletes that you work with? Yeah. One, mental health is very important. Um, two, I try to see them how social media gets them so confused and it breaks their mental health. The message of um, you go and be your strongest self, but be okay being, you know, having a bad day. I was like, life is like that is, you know, we have zero to a hundred, but you live between 40 and 80. You don't live on 90 and then that's when you live and, you know, and then are you zero? Like that's, that's, those are special moments. Bad special moments are great special moments. 
but life happens in between and you need to like continue to go and then you're going to regret if you, you know like we know you're going to regret if you don't put in the time even if it's a minute or two minutes three months from now because you're not going to be where you could have been or a little bit better um i've had kids with uh eating disorder that i flagged and found found her a mentor and gave the family you know a mentor that gave them resources and uh now she's a you know, advocate for Morgan's message or where she's at in college. Um, I bring uh, this, I've always done mindset sessions. Like we always have um, mindset Mondays with my group. So we always watch a video. We talk about it. They send me their notes um, and we go on with practice. Um, this January, I'm bringing in Priscilla Talman, uh, Spike Doctor. Um, uh, she's going to work with my kids and, with, um, and then later on with my pros as well. Um, and I'm so excited because I, I know I cannot do it all. And I know I cannot teach it, teach it all. And they need to hear from somebody else too. Cause when, when parents come to me, like she never hears me want to say anything. And, um, when I say something for her to do this, cause it's best for her or whatever. And we have the same Brazil that like a saint from home doesn't make any miracles. So it's like, she would hear from me, but I'm becoming a saint from home. You know what I mean? So I need to bring somebody else so I can Absolutely. see. And I want them to hear the same thing from different people. I love, um, again, like the way my wife and I um, named Optimum is because it's the best possible way right now, not the best possible way or the only way ever. We just wanted to continue to find new ways of being better, you know, and, uh, and we're constant learners. I ask that for my players, but I am like that. And I ask all of my coaches to be the same way. That is, that is I, I resonate with so much of that message. And I see like even how we found each other through social media, because I really struggle with social media. And that's what I've liked about getting into this podcast world and getting these longer form conversations, because I feel like so often these kids think, you know, they're just getting like little tiny sound bites of something that will, it, it might end up really not serving them because it's not a true life experience. You don't get you can't get real wisdom out of this much, right? I mean, and they don't have real relationships because right. of that. You know, they just yeah. like I don't know, either here or they just send a picture with three words. Like that's not a real relationship. So I challenge them to have better conversations, and you know, like I I try to put my older girls responsible to reaching out to younger girls. But now that my younger girls have been with us for two or three months, I'm like, well, now you need to go and like create you know, some balls to go grab an older girl. And, and I try to, every once in a while, put them in uncomfortable situations like that. And I, I talk to a lot, even like my mid twenties, sometimes even later twenties, um, people was like this. Okay. So this generation thinks that kind being kind means not hurting people's feelings. <laughs> oh, then, you're hitting on something so big for me right now. Keep talking. And then I tell them, do you, so I said, you're so afraid of hurting somebody's feelings that you will lie and say a small lie to not hurt their feelings. And you think you're being kind, but is lying kind? Oh. And the reason why you do this and you don't say something is probably because you feel like they do the same way. They do the same thing to you. So it's like, well, I'm not going to be vulnerable because, or say the truth, because they're probably doing the same with me. And just like that, we don't have a good relationship. So I let them try practice this real talk with me. You know, um, let me be the one that you practice with. Like by, by, they have no other reason because that's the only way I know how to communicate. 
you know? Yes. So yeah. that's something that they need to start thinking. I asked them to think, I was like, we're going to talk about values. I, I'm always like super into it because, because oh, it's going to start tapping on those things. So what is more valuable to you to be a person who doesn't hurt people's feelings, but you will lie because of that or not lie and say the truth all the time? Yeah. And I, I tell them my values, like my values, like I rather say the truth and being consistent and being, you know, trying to be what I think, you know, a good person is speaks louder than maybe hurting your feelings. When I say that's not good enough. Yeah. You, need, you know, they have it. Now I'm doing evaluation. I went through evaluations with one of my players from their performance. And I think, and she's going to a top 20 school. And I was like, you're ser serving up with poor. And I, I think you can do a lot better. But she's fine. She's, she doesn't struggle with my real talk or anything. But I know some will. It will hit her. But I was like, I need to be real because the level that I, especially my committed players, where you're going to be, we're, we're training you to change the program, not to maintain the program. Yeah. Absolutely. But I can't wait to talk about values. Yes. I mean, character and values are just something that are, they're being lost in the message of, inclusion and so my question for you like what you hit on there with being kind and how that is is in social media it is conflicting with what real inclusion is and mm -hmm. i want to know from you like what what's your view on what's what's really inclusive about human connection you know mm -hmm. how we all relate as human beings and not being told how we're different and how we need to be segmented off into these different groups. But how do we come together for a real inclusive message? Because I see mm -hmm. you doing that with your athletes and in this message that you're spreading. But I don't see, it's so hard to find out there right now. Because they just confuse you in, the, in, in, the, in this world. You need to be kind, but then you need to set boundaries. You need to include everybody, which means don't be mean to the person who is being a butthole to you. It's like, that's called boundaries. Yep. You know, so, yep. val so values are going to teach your biggest values are going to drive you from doing the things the way you think you're, you're um, wired, right? Or how you feel about things. So inclusion for like, we never had to talk about inclusion. We really wanted as, as a general, when we were younger population, just like where they are right now, we wanted to love and include everybody. And what, what, what becomes like not inclusive is the boundaries. If for me, if you're not a good person, you do not belong at Optimum. Yeah. They don't last. The the parents that like, and I don't have a lot that have left, but I'm telling you, like I can count on a hand. But the ones that were always victim, and no matter how much we showed them and their parents, like, here, look, here are the things where we need them to get better. And it was mostly not volleyball stuff. They can't, they couldn't handle it, right? So they went somewhere else and it's okay because I always tell my players, let me know if I'm asking too much out of you. But at the end, let's say somebody asks like, well, if your kids are losing and they're, you know, what do you do? I tell them, hey, now I'm watching your character. How are you gonna finish this match? Are you gonna continue to be a good person? Are you gonna be a good partner? Are you gonna go for every ball? I don't care if we win or lose right now. I'm watching who you are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they know that they know that we play and they know that matters that matters in addition to them that being matters more than I never asked and I tell them no other coach has ever my wife is a head coach for college and none of the her recruiting calls was like 
does she win a lot? Nobody cares if you win or not. They already know where you can play. So I tell them all the time, I don't care if you win or lose. I want you to talk volley to me so you can talk volley with your college coach. So how was the weekend? When, when they're new to me, it's like, it was good. I play good. I play bad. But as they stay with us, well, you know how we worked on this? I tried to apply. It didn't work. I passed more middle. I was able to help with the second balls. I served the line. To, then the volleyball starts developing because you see how they they start seeing, you know, you're going to be upset if you win or lose. You're human and it's normal because you care. But that shouldn't be the only reason why you play volleyball. What's your legacy? What else are you learning as a person? You know, so I think that's the consistent message. I never talk about winning or losing. Now I have I have a couple of kids that are, you know, super duper high level. So the competing to win becomes a little bit more important. But again, we go back at everything else that has to do with winning. You go back to basics. This is why or mental set, you know, mindset or the focus part of it. Why is your footwork not there at the end of the game? And that will help you win. But um, yeah. it's I, never I've always been such a huge believer in and especially watching the indoor game and the beach game is a little different because there's less players on the court. But I always love to watch an indoor team and see what the leadership skills are of the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. And I always, it goes to that quote of like, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I always wanted to say to that best player on the court, like, you're not actually the natural captain sometimes. How can mm-hmm. you learn to be the captain? And sometimes it's, you know, there's a different captain than the the best technical player. Mm-hmm. But my favorite thing to see is when that best player on the court is also the first person that's going to lift lift up and bring up everybody else instead of being that the star because we all yeah. know you know like everyone's got a bad day or in indoor volleyball like you're not you're not winning because you have six all-stars on the court you're winning because of the way you play yeah. together and then yeah. you know that comes back to the beach game too obviously when there's only two of you on the court how you relate to each other and how you bring each other up in moments of in that like you and said there's so many again there's so many variables with even though we have only two there's somebody can play well somebody can play bad so when you're playing well you can be a good partner for somebody who's playing bad but when you play bad are you a good partner mm-hmm. yeah you know so and then so there's four variables with two girls and we'll see what's going on um so that's something that I, I tell I, I think it was two years ago I told my my one of my players like you were a really good partner when she was struggling, but you're not a good partner when you struggle. And I'm telling them, you know, but by that time, obviously we already had, and it's not, and I know it's like, I know it's not easy to hear sometimes if they're not quite there, I can see their mental state, but whoever knows me, I, I can just say it. And it's so good. Like I, I love that I can say the truth to my athletes. You know, I may have to, I don't sugarcoat it, but I filter maybe, you know, because there's age and and experience and all that, but the message is always the truth. And I think that's the, that's why they're with me, you know, and that's like, I have to do that. I don't, I, my value says that if I don't tell them the truth and I don't coach them to their best possible potential, then I'm doing a disservice and I'm wasting their parents' money. Yeah. I mean, as a parent, I would, that, that resonates with me so much. And I think that you are like that, that, that other messenger, like you were saying, everyone needs, you know, these kids need a different messenger than from what they're hearing at home, from their technical coach to their mindset coach to, 
And that is, that's that, but that consistency of message is so huge because kids hear it differently, but it's always, it's always Mm -hmm. getting in, you know, the little pieces of it are getting in. And then that's where that character and values, when you come out of whatever eight years of volleyball or however long you play that, that character and value system. And it doesn't just come through volleyball. I've, you know, it's, it's, I've always told my kids, like, whatever you have a passion for, yes, you're going to get joy out of that passion, but you're also building your skill set is built through that thing you have passion for. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm hesitating to go into something here because I didn't see this going this way, but I, because this was a life experience that I just had, and you've mentioned your wife a few times, um, the world is really after understanding how to form deep human connection but we're not getting that in I saw a play the other night and it was meant and my daughter was involved in this and it was meant to um bring understanding to homosexual heterosexual relationships and how we all can relate to each other but the level of violence and sexuality that came into this play I was horrified watching this and I was trying to understand because never for a day in my life I've been an athlete my whole life I have friends that are gay friends that are straight I couldn't understand how what was going on on this stage had anything to do with love and and inclusion respecting people for who they are and allowing them to form deeply whole committed relationships mm-hmm. on any level platonic uh, romantic any type of relationship and i don't know if you've seen any of this stuff out here but i feel like we're hitting a real point of confusion in society that i'm trying to make sense out of mm-hmm. and this was coming from a public high school so i you know i hit it i i have a talk to them but I'm not getting any real clarity of message. And I don't know if you have anything to say about that. And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but. It's definitely a touchy subject, but if you're following my social media, you see which side I stand for. I think kids needs more, kids need more time to develop, to understand the deeper part of what being gay or transgender or whatever is. And they need even more time to understand about their sexuality or everybody else's sexuality. Um, I've, I, I, we don't have kids our own yet. We're trying, but like a lot of my best friends have kids and the way that they got to know about us was from day to day. I'm still, you know, Auntie Chia for, you know, Koa and, and Mila. I'm still Chia P, you know, in Brazil for, but they saw me with my wife and then we explained that we love each other it was that it was about love it was about connection it we never explain about how to do things as a lesbian couple and you know like we never explained anything else but we love each other we love who we are as people and and they're like okay and then at one point actually there's a story when we're getting married my friend Rachel Rachel Scott um, it was Rachel Walker. Oh, yeah. oh, she yes. was, you know, she's one of my best friends. Um, and she, we were riding with uh, Koa in the car, and he goes, Where are we going? And she goes, Well, Auntie Chia and Auntie Michelle are getting married. 
And he goes, well, how come? She goes, because they love each other and they're best friends. And he goes, I'm going to marry Lucas. And she goes, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it was just like, that's how much like, you know, culture could, could have affected him, but it didn't. But it was just like, he was four maybe, or he was six or something. You know, he's like, I love my best friend. And it was very organic. She's like, okay. And then obviously nothing happened, but till today, you know, he's almost, I mean, basically he's, I've been around his entire life and he knows, and it, it was never, never had to like sit down. Let's talk about all these things that it takes to be a lesbian. And that's where I'm like, it's too much. You know, they're too young. Now, when they get older, yes, I get it. And, and there should be more education, but not indoctrination. Yes. Education, not indoctrination. I am all about it. I love hearing you have that message because it needs to come from everyone. Any person who has been through this, uh, who is on a self-actualizing path will understand that there's an innocence to childhood that doesn't need to be rushed. You're discovering things. Yeah. And there's no, a natural we're messing with the natural course of where their brain and heart are at that time. And why would we take that away from them? You know, and when we push things, they don't know our brains aren't fully developed. I mean, they say 25, but, and, and I know that as life goes on, we work on a constant learning path, right? I mean, yeah. it's, we're never, 25, we're still young and dumb, right? <laughs> Amen. So back that up and go to 17. I had someone tell me another volleyball player, we were having this conversation and he said his niece was sitting on his lap. She's three years old. And she said, um, I'm a girl and I want to stay a girl. This is coming out of a three-year-old's mouth. Like, of course, like to her, that makes sense. But like, she has heard something already that really didn't belong in, in her vocabulary. Of course, you know, she's just living her three-year-old life. How are we, I don't, I, I can't even comprehend that we're talking about a three-year-old, but that came through in a conversation. And then I watched this play and I'm thinking when things are, it, it's, it's cutting off human connection. It's not creating inclusivity. It's not creating respect. And the way you just described that, that is so much how I see it. And I don't ever want to be coming from a situation where they'll all of a sudden they'll be people will say oh you're a bigot or you don't and i'm like i that is not it's just um, not how this i'm a gay so i'm for the gays yeah you know, and i feel I, that way <laughs> yeah amen and and my high school friends that came through like we're all we're all still friends we all COVID, did zooms during covid and to hear what their stories were in high school you know, coming through and, and coming out and knowing where they are now, they could teach a lot to my, to this ne next, you know, the generations coming through now, but I don't think the, the struggles that they had are not the struggles that this generation is going to have with what's coming at them. And I mm -hmm. don't want anybody to struggle with who they are. And, but the message is not inclusive. And that's what yeah, I'm, I think my generation struggle with wanting figured out who we were where this like who we were and being afraid how people would perceive us obviously because it wasn't as common and out there or you know the whole media or whatever and I feel like this generation wants more acceptance of who they know who they are but they want to feel accepted like 
you know, um, and it's, it's a slightly different feeling, I think. Um, there's still a lot of um, obviously hard times going on for uh, gays and lesbians and transgenders and the whole, you know, L LGBTQ plus AA. I, it's hard for me to keep up with it, but um, everybody, again, everybody has hard times, um, but this generation has a lot more acceptance than we had. You know, like when I had family, a family member saying like, we'll desert you, you know, if that happens. So like now you have the entire social media and everybody behind you. So we're, you're not struggling that bad to be accepted. In my opinion, coming from, imagine the generations behind me that I still have friends that are still in the closet because they've public figures since the eighties, you know, and they don't want to come out and lose support or sponsorship or whatever, um, especially in Brazil. So I, I, we know about the hard times that we've had and we know about the hard times that there are still, but there's a lot more acceptance than there used to be. Yeah. So, yeah. So I feel I mean, we need to be a little bit um, thankful about what we have versus carrying so much. Sometimes it's driven as that person doesn't like me versus look at all these people that actually love me no matter what you know right yeah and like you said we all have hard things that we come through and we're all going to have things about us that you know someone's not going to like and yes coming to terms with loving yourself once you have you you know when you go on that journey to know yourself and to love yourself you find your tribe you find your people that you connect with and i think on every side and whatever you know group that we are you know gay straight whatever labels we want to put on it it's the honesty and the loving connection that we can find by accepting people for who they are but it's not going to come through this perverse you know ex extreme sexualization of children and that is not i just don't see it like these kind of conversations are what build and this is why I love doing this. And I do hesitate because I, I, I've come from the school of never wanting to offend anybody. But when I see what these kids are up against to have people like you that are actively everyday part of forming good, connected human beings through sport, through the talks you have off the court, like that is so huge. And that's to me where the rubber meets the road. So thank you for being willing to talk about this because it's a tough subject. And I appreciate everything you had to say there because that, that was really big. So thank you. Oh, um, um, what, my last question I always ask everybody, which is um, just my favorite, is what's a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Um, don't give up keep pushing yourself. The reason I feel like it's funny because it really touched me because I get to reminisce a lot. And we, my wife and I were talking probably a year ago. And it's like, you did life by yourself. You know, like once I left home, I was by myself. I did everything by myself because I didn't want to be a burden because my mom had always had financial problems and always brought people into her financial problems. And I didn't want to be the reason why other people was being burdened by my mom. Um, and believing yourself and 
honestly, after a breakup, all I wanted to do is like build myself to be the best person, best person I could be. And I called my best friend. I said, who am I? And she goes, you like, you're great. And I was like, no, tell me the bad stuff too, because I want to be better. And probably since I was 24, that's when I really started working on myself. And that has been my, my journey of working on myself, trying to be the best person I can be. I failed so many times. I start over and, you know, do better next time around. And my, my sport drove me to do the right things versus doing the wrong things. So I, I tell everybody now, like volleyball is my religion. I do everything right by volleyball, which in within my values, right? Cause uh, people might have different values. They might, they might think that kind is by saying, is saying a little white lie and it's okay to me, kind is saying the truth. So whatever that is, I just honestly, to me is huge. And being a hard worker, like I'm not afraid of working hard. Last spring I was coaching six to 10 hours a day and working on optimum, but like my goal, you know, was to make everybody better. That's just something that has been in me. I don't know, uh, mm -hmm. having a tough, emotional childhood with you know my mom and grandma and all that just guided me to want to do different with my relationships so never give up and not in a like silly whatever everybody but like truly things get hard keep moving forward no matter how slow it is sometimes to me moving forward is taking a nap because I need it I need to take that nap so I can wake up and take that first step again um just believe in yourself, you know, and just keep trying to do the best. So good. I hear there's such a, I can see some, all the points of why we connected from a distance and there's so much beautiful generational learning and everything you just said. I just, I love it. So, you know, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. And um, the last thing I, so Optimum Beach, where can people, what's the best place for people to connect with you? Um, Instagram at Optimum Beach or our website, optimumbeach.us, not .com, .us. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We'll get all that in the show notes. And, um, I can't wait to get this conversation out here. I just thank you so much. And I wish you all the best in the off season and in the upcoming season and, um, thank keep you. working hard with those athletes. You're doing amazing stuff. So yeah. thank you so much. For sure. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And anytime I love talking volley. Cool. All right. We'll do it again for sure. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to what I meant to say. If you enjoyed this conversation, you know what to do. Subscribe, rate, review. And for more great content, courses, and lifestyle, go to BeBetterMedia.tv.